Good morning. Are we on? Yeah, you're on. Okay. Missed the outro music. Good morning. Trudy Clausen here, or the intro. 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 I, I, okay, Steve is giving me the evil eye and saying you go, use the wrong word. Um, anyway, good morning, everyone. <laughs> and I have a guest that I'm very pleased to have here, April Ottison. Good morning, April. Good morning. And so, April, um, just to begin, let's, how about you tell our guests or our listeners um, what, uh, a little bit of how did you, I mean, I'm assuming you weren't born here, or were you born here? No, I wasn't born here. Uh, we moved here when I was under a year old. Okay. So, um, over the years, I've lived here most of my lifetime, but I did not attend public school here. I returned to attend college. Okay. Um, but I've been in the city for more than 22 years and okay. outside the city for about 10 years. So 30 something years I've lived in, this in proximity to right. Prince George. Yes. Well, I consider myself a Prince George residence, even resident, even though we do live out of town, but, uh, but it's because it's my town. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I, I live here. Yeah. Um, so t- we are talking like, so last week I had, um, Hossam Alakta uh, from Happy Cities uh, on, and uh, you and I have both read the book Happy City by Charles Montgomery, who, and Hossam works for that organization, and uh, I took lots of notes. It was a really interesting conversation, and April was intrigued. April has also read the book, and so that's, we're sort of going to talk about the impact of design on community, on happiness. And uh, so is there, have you got any specific training, April, or, in, or is it just basically interest or who, what is, uh, what do you do for work? Uh, I, I'm trained as a chef. I worked most of my career life as a chef and I still do um, cooking for homeless people a couple times a week. Um, but I think I just have a kind of a holistic attitude towards life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I watched, I witnessed my city uh, decay and deteriorate because I worked downtown in my 20s. I'm 64 now. In my early 20s, I worked right on 3rd Avenue. And as, as a chef? No, no. Oh. Then I was a legal secretary and okay. a financial secretary. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> you've done tons then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I started cooking when I was 14 in restaurants. Okay. And bakeries. Okay. Uh, so I... I Mostly, I went back to cooking Yeah, throughout my life. I took psychology in university. I thought I was going to do that, but I ended up cooking. And the thing is, is I started a restaurant in 2000. And, well, it was just a catering business at that point. Um, but it was really a social enterprise. It was called Sassafras Savories. <gasps> and I like to call it the social enterprise of Sassafras Savories. <sighs> because I got my first uh, kitchen space in exchange for working with youth at risk. And youth at risk remained my employees throughout my 18 years doing that work. Hmm. And I still am working with those some of those people because some of those people due to unfortunate circumstances have landed on the streets and they're living on the streets. Um, so Wednesdays and Sundays, I often find one or two of them uh, where I feed people. Hmm. Which is at um, Two Doors Down and Moccasin Flats. I, I bring food, hot food. Okay, so you don't cook it there, but you bring it there. I bring it there, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so as a chef, and I've, I've listened to interviews with, with uh, other chefs, um, 
they have a real good sensitivity. And I mean, we all know, I mean, food is vital to our survival. Yeah. Um, you know, and we all have our favorite foods because, I mean, we all have to have food <laughs> to yeah. survive or else we're yeah. not here. Um, but chefs have a unique, because of their work, they have a unique insight um, into the role of food in our lives. And I know that you've talked about the 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 reason that good food is so important. Uh, can you expand a little bit about that? Sure. Um, our connection to food is our connection to life. And I've always been connected to food. Um, my mom was an or, uh, organic uh, gourmet cook. Wow. And uh, she taught me to glean from nature. Uh, we did more gleaning from nature, actually, than growing gardens, but once I once I was living on my own, I was always involved in community gardens. Like throughout my life, I've probably been in like 23 community gardens. And just so I could grow, because I lived in apartments sometimes, just so I could grow food. And it was one of the reasons that I wanted to have a restaurant slash catering business. And that's actually how I formed it when I first created my design my vision it was to have a restaurant catering business hmm. and so throughout my tenure as a chef of my own business I always grew as much food as I could for that business because it kept it keeps me grounded and connected with life you know being in the garden um it increases your serotonin, like literally, literally. <laughs> I know there are actually scientific studies. There are, this. <laughs> yeah, there are, and and the pleasure it would give me. Um, a bit a hectic uh, chef's life is, you know, seventy oh, yeah, hours crazy. a week. Yeah. Yes. So and then going to the garden would give me some reprieve and, you know, yeah, connect the, me with life again. Well, because the garden forces you to, because yeah. it you can't just go in there crazy yeah <laughs> you actually have to slow down and, and slow down yeah and, and be gentle right yeah 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 so how does that bring you to reading a book like happy city what was your what brought you to that so a lot of things that happen in my city um distress me and, and you're talking about my city you're talking the one we're sitting in yeah Prince i'm talking George. about my city yeah so um so many things distress me. One of the things was, and it talks about this in the book a lot, actually, is the urban sprawl and, and dispersal of human beings and services from the downtown core. And one of the interesting things that Charles Montgomery brings up is that we actually, as a city, make a lot more money per, per acre in the downtown core from taxes than we do in sprawl. You know, the big box stores and, and malls, um, co it, it, it costs the city a lot more to bring the services to those um, malls. Uh, you have to okay. drive to yeah. them. Can you explain that a little bit? Because, yeah, I get it. Sure. Um, well, the sprawl, w there's there's just more money to be made when the the uh, infrastructure is denser. Okay, so like we're, we're driving down 3rd Avenue, Avenue or 4th. Yep. And we have store upon store upon store. Yep. And so under the ground, there are pipes servicing each of those places that the city, that are this, this that are connected to each store that come from the city. Yeah. But those are short ends. Yeah. And okay. And then the but street. The, but the, the buildings are about 10 feet from the, 
from the street. Right. So they're not in the middle of a giant okay, parking so, lot. Okay, so let's just continue down sure. third and fourth first. So, and then there's an, a street that services all these, I mean, how many how many businesses do we think are in third and fourth? Probably a hundred? Oh, yeah, probably. Okay. I mean, at least on the first little section there, the most dense section. Compare that to, if you look at one block in the downtown, that's not even, that's maybe just the road into something like Walmart, right? Yeah. And there's no store yet. Like, taking one block, we haven't even gotten to Walmart yet yeah. from off the highway or off the, where the water mains would be. You can see the difference. Like yeah. The mall is all about the parking lot. People yeah. have to drive there. It's not something that you can walk to. And we've found that happier communities are, there's a, a, a greater density of services in a smaller area where people can walk to. They can walk to the post office. They can walk to the grocery store. They can walk to the library or some some form of library. Um, that makes That makes happier communities. And, and, and I, like, it's very intriguing to me. And I, and I see a lot of people are really nervous about the concept because they're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't want to be hemmed, hemmed in. And it's like, no, 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 this is not what it's about. No. This is about making our community, because what we've done with Urban Sprawl, mm -hmm. like that spreading out so far, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it, theoretically, it could be fine. But the problem is it costs so much money. And then... That's one thing. And you have to drive there. Yes. So carbon footprint is huge. Yep. But I mean, and then... But but part of the problem is that... And I and I saw this years ago um, <clears throat> when... Do you remember when the house styles changed from having front porches to having garages? And so you're driving down the street, of like in a residential street, and... All you're seeing is these big blank garage doors. Mm -hmm. you, you hard, it's really hard sometimes to see <clears throat> the entrance into a house. And it just looks so unfriendly. Mm -hmm. And, okay, you can make the argument, well, that's not the intention. You're talking about the, the houses in the dispersed city. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So then you're... But the, but the impact of that, des it, that design has an impact. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not able if your your home and your neighborhood is designed so that you are not able to sit on your front porch and chat or not with the neighbor who's going for a walk it changes the impact it changes how what your neighborhood is like yeah people feel safer in neighborhoods where they know people mm -hmm. plain and simple and that is one result of being the sprawl the sprawl and being dispersed mm -hmm. right and um maybe i'm just going off on a tangent here because we were talking about the the um the cost of providing services okay it takes three times as long for the city to recoup the costs of building uh, a big box power center it's called a power center because you have like a save on foods or something connected to it or a walmart or mm -hmm. a costco um it takes the city three times as long to recoup what it costs for the services to install the services and infrastructure and the downtown core provides seven times the revenues per acre seven that, times seven times no seven times okay. per acre than compared the to the big box place big box place like there is <clears throat> one seventh there we're, we're getting one seventh the revenues from a big box store 
and you have to drive there and traffic is like there's so many bad things about traffic it's not that we do need we do need car there's no question about it yeah, but that's not so, what we're talking about well in a way we are because somehow we've organized and designed our cities and communities around driving um, in the United States 90% of the people need a car to commute to work mm-hmm. in Canada it's 75% so it's still a lot you can't walk to work most times yeah and it's so nice when you can walk to well, work well and i and i want to talk a little bit about that um you know anybody who's traveled a bit like you go to um well almost anywhere <laughs> mm-hmm. uh maybe except america which i actually haven't traveled to a lot um you i just love being able to walk downtown and just walked from place to place and just enjoy being on the street there's people um there's there's a little bit of greenery here and there and it's just pleasant and and that's what i find so incredibly appealing about going especially well i mean to europe or even like i mean going to asia you see more of that and um it's sometimes like and especially in asia it's it's a little bit messier than what we're used to but once you get past that and you just see the value of oh my goodness like I like I was in um, oh gosh Denpasa Indonesia in November and I went to we we drove Mm -hmm. from our resort because our resort was on the beach it was in a sort of a gated area Mm -hmm. but we drove we wanted to go to a cheap spa and it was honestly the cheapest spa was the best one and but we got there and it just struck me like I took up actually took a few pictures around us and there was an industrial business there like right across the street uh, I'm not sure what it was but it was looked very industrial there was a laundromat there was a food store the, and on the parking lot of the food store the parking lot such as it was like for three cars there was a um, a food cart and and then there were a few other different kinds of of retail spaces and it just really struck me that okay this would drive zoning people crazy (laughs) yeah zoning and bylaws but at the Mm -hmm. same time and codes (laughs) yes but at the same time i thought okay this is because okay so as a tourist we we i i really noticed that it took us forever to travel from point a to point b like what normally like here in our city the distance it would take us like 10 minutes and there you have to count on an hour and I thought, okay, so how do the local residents manage this? But then as, as I was in the, at this spa, it occurred to me that if you live there and you live in this area, you have everything you need right close. So yep. you wouldn't be driving an hour to get to the grocery store because the grocery store is in your neighborhood. So how do we get there from here? Yeah, well, first of all, we have to recognize that we are, um, we have obstacles and challenges in our codes and bylaws and those uh, those can be when we recognize what we want then we can go to bat with those bylaws or those codes um it's not something that from after reading the book you're probably aware that this isn't uh there's no no fast solutions to this but um, that I I was mentioning um, the principles of permaculture. Yes, and it, basically, I think Bill Mollison um, put them into an easy ten point form. You know, uh, but they are such grand principles. They're based on what nature does. Okay, and nature integrates. It doesn't segregate. So that's why you have these integrated places where there's industry 
bakeries. Oh, okay, I was wondering where laundromats because I thought, okay, we need that's a different topic, but no, it's no. not. Okay, no, it, that's the thing is, you know, it takes design to make a city we want to live in, and sometimes it feels like people have just gone helter skelter and we'll put this here and that this there. We have to recognize what design do we want, and then we have to follow some sensible principles to guide our design. Well, and that's one thing that he, that Charles Montgomery actually talked about in the book was that, you know, a hundred or 200 years ago, cities developed sort of organically, like just sort of by themselves. There was no master plan, Mm -hmm. but then over, but because people were, it was more of an integration model, like people understood that you do this to, in order to make a nice place to live. And I think we've lost, we've lost touch with that, haven't we? Yes. Yes. Okay, it is time for a break. We'll be back uh, just chatting with April Otteson. You ever thought to yourself, boy, it'd be nice to have a show that only features pop rock into a from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and the odd time a little bit nearer? Well, you found the place. Saturday evenings, 9 to 11, it's all the map with Jimmy James, and it's the show that does feature pop rock into a from those decades. There's also the 930 1970s feature track, the 10 o'clock double shot, and to put the wraps on every week's show, the final vinyl feature. So tune in Saturday evenings, 9 to 11. It's all the map with Jimmy James, only here at 930.1 CFISFM. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats. Founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982, Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Seniors Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available in most items, including pierogies and sausages, and there are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and meat pies. Everything from Erladen to Patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Center. Choosing to be curious is choosing to be vulnerable because it requires us to surrender to uncertainty. We have to ask questions, admit to not knowing, risk being told that we shouldn't be asking, and sometimes make discoveries that lead to discomfort. This is Kaylee from Books and Company, and that was a quote from Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart, mapping meaningful connection and the language of the human experience. Come check out this big, beautiful self-improvement title in-store at 1685 Third Avenue or online at booksandcompany.ca. We're always happy to chat with fellow book lovers. Forecast from Environment Canada, periods of light snow ending near noon, then a mix of sun and cloud with a 40% chance of flurries. South winds from 30 gusting to 50, a high of 1 with a morning wind chill to minus 8. Partly cloudy tonight, wind from the southwest at 20 becoming light this evening, a low of minus 9. For Friday, a mix of sun and cloud becoming cloudy with a 40% chance of snow late in the afternoon. Wind becoming southwest 20 in the morning, a high of 0 with a morning wind chill to minus 8. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, Okay, we are back uh, chatting with April Otteson, chef and community organizer and volunteer extraordinaire, um, talking about what it... We're, we're talking about city design and how our how we plan our cities, how that has an impact on on, on the community and whether or not we know our neighbors, whether or not we um, like and how much it costs to uh, to sub, to provide services in our neighborhoods. Uh, so you had mentioned perma you before we took a break. You talked about permaculture, and I was like, "Where is April going?" So. Um, can you talk about that a little bit, um, what it means and how, um, and, and just the, and then you also, I think, use the phrase integrate rather than isolate. No. Segregate. Segregate. Okay. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So 
<laughs> one of the thing, one of the um, conversations you and I have had in the past, and I think we met at a meeting over this issue, was we have about 200 homeless people, visible homeless people in Prince George. And it has been, um, I think, generated by a lot of fear in the community. They don't understand why people are in that position, situation. And I would say you have to walk a mile in someone's moccasins before you make any judgments. And so fear has been uh, what the foundation for how the homeless people have been dealt with. Um, for instance, we had the safe street, which I call the mean street bylaw, <laughs> you know, that was going to find people for being homeless. You know, it's like being kicked in the teeth when you've already been traumatized your entire life. People do not choose that life. I mean, nobody in their right mind would choose that life. You have to be injured in some way. And I, and I know people, I'm involved with people who were homeless for like 14 years because they grew up in an abusive household and, you know, all their, they had no supports ever. You know, if you, if you grow, up, grow up in an abusive household and you get no sleep at night because people are partying and the music's loud, then you have to go to school with no lunch money, no lunch, and no sleep, you know, you're not going to perform very well. And, and, and this is the truth. So Sassafras Savory, the social enterprise aspect of it, I, I witnessed that closely for 18 years. And... Um, I'm still seeing some of those people struggling because of their foundations. And I think people are just like plants and gardens, you know, and, and, and in the perma one of the most important permaculture prim principles, even with gardens, is to integrate, not segregate. For instance, if you have thistles, mm -hmm. or um, I like goutweed because it's really um, prevalent and it's, I have a personal story with, with goutweed. Pretty much anything in your garden that grows is going to have some medicinal benefits, I promise you. And goutweed is one of those things. Well, it took over my yard. And I tried a different tact when I was dealing with the goutweed. I looked up what it was good for. Well, turns out this plant is for your liver. And we need our liver to live. Liver is like the, the, the emperor of the body, the mm -hmm. general of the body. Um, and so it's good for um, anything to do with your blood, with, with um, your... Um, okay, but you've got like tons of gout weed, I'm assuming. You don't need yeah, that much. But you can, you can use it for salads. Like it's the first thing that comes up. I don't have to plant it. And you can use it for salads. You can put it in smoothies, and it's good for your liver. So if you have any issues, skin issues related to liver, um, goutweed is is your your person. And so I have like all this organic goutweed. Yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, that's I would call it. Is that stinging nettle? No, 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 no. No, it's also known as bishop's wart. Look up bishop's wart. Okay. Um, bishop's wart is... But it looks like stinging nettle, but it's not stingy. It's not stingy, and it has beautiful... I'll show you some pictures after, okay. but it, it has beautiful white fragrant flowers as well, but that means it spreads more. Okay, so, so you looked at this, and you thought, okay, I have a choice. I can either... Fight it. Fight it or integrate it. And I just chose to integrate okay. it. Okay, so what does that have to do with our 200 homeless people? Okay, so our 200... Um, homeless people bring, uh, uh, this is a conservative estimate, 
bring $20 million to the city every year from um, provincial and federal governments. $20 million they bring to the city. Um, it's conservative because each homeless person costs $85,000 to $150,000 each per year, forever. Okay, so you're saying we're... 200 times that. And okay, even but, it but, can but, be but as high as $200 million. Okay. If there's $20 million being brought in, where's it going? It's getting dispersed into organizations that say that they're helping the homeless. Yeah, but but the homeless are living in... Under cardboard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, so, but I, I, I think I, I think that kind of revenue should um, gender some kind of reverence and support, you know, like hey, you, you know, like you are. But that's that's part of the problem. Homelessness is a business, and they are seen as a commodity. And if you don't have to take care of, imagine a farmer, you know, if he didn't have to feed his sheep or goats or cows, and, and he could just make the profit. Basically, that's what we're doing with homeless people. We're, we're, we're make creating jobs and well-being. Are you going to be safe after this? <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> but, um, but so this is this, this is my like, thing. Where did you find the number? Uh, Google it. Google it. Google it. Well, I, I, I looked into years ago, I looked into the medicine hat example of, you know, they had a yes. mayor that was not in favor of doing. Yeah, I've he, heard his story. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't. He was very conservative and yeah. he was like, no, no, we shouldn't yeah. enable bad behavior. Yeah. And then he figured out that there was a financial it, argument to be made. There's for, a financial argument, an incredible financial argument. It's like $20,000 a year it costs now for homeless people for that city. For that city, so in Medicine Hat, it costs twenty thousand dollars per year instead of eighty-five thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand. Okay, but so that in a way, they what they've managed to do, they they went with housing first, and people who have housing and food, like shelter and food, are basic human rights. Then they can recover, and I think that is one of the biggest things that we need to do as a community: come together. And um, recover, put energy into recovery. Our city needs recovery. You know, we need a robust downtown to make people happy. Yeah. And I think, like, the farmer's market is one of the things that have vitalized our downtown. But we need more of that. Yeah. So, um, okay, well, how about... You've made a really good case here about uh, the homeless uh, folks and, and our response to them. So we'll come after on after this break and talk a little bit about the little bubbles of good things that we see. Sounds good. If you need to connect with services such as WorkBC, ServiceBC, or the Ministry of Social Development and Poverty Reduction, the downtown branch of the Public Library is the place to be on Tuesday, February 28th. Every second Tuesday, the library offers a free drop-in chance to connect with community services like these between 1 and 3. You don't need to make an appointment. Just drop in and chat with the service you want to talk to. That's Community Services Drop-In at the downtown branch of the Public Library, February 28th from 1 to 3. 
If you have dietary restrictions due to diabetes, gluten sensitivity, or stroke, or are on a keto diet, listen carefully. Deb's Cafe has blueberry pie, coconut cream pie, butter tarts, butter pecan cookies, strawberry cheesecake, brownies, carrot cake, cinnamon rolls, and many more items which are suitable for your special dietary needs and which our customers assure us are delicious. Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery, next to Pharmasafe at 7th and Quebec. Are you a leader who wants to take their leadership to the next level? Do you have an emerging leader on your team who needs support? At Pivot Leader, our Leaders in Business program combines leadership training with one-on-one coaching to help leaders just like you. You'll learn how to deal with people better, handle conflict, hire and keep staff, delegate more effectively, read financial statements, and learn coaching skills to move your team along. There's a less stressful way to improve your outcomes. We can show you how. If you'd like to be a better leader, reach out to us today at pivotleader.com. Pivot Leader will help Help you grow, train, and sell your business. Your Prince George Symphony Orchestra's main stage season has plenty to offer for everyone. Check out local singer-songwriters Amy Blanding, Rochelle Van Zanten, and Kim Gucci in concert with the orchestra on April 15th and guest Henry Shepard on cello on May 27th. Tickets and full details are available at pgso.com and from the Symphony's office at Studio 2080. Your Prince George Symphony Orchestra's main stage season through May 27th at Vanier Hall. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, I'm talking with April Otteson. Um, I guess you're a community volunteer right now? Is that, yeah. is, is that your title? I am community volunteer. I volunteer for the Canning Circle. Uh, oh, I do have two days a month that I'm paid. I have paid oh. employment, which is great. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I, still have a I mean, and this is just a total aside. You know, yeah. every time I see the, you know, the Citizen of the Year um, nominees come forward, it's like, I always think, really? The people who should be nominated are the people who work behind the scenes endlessly, helping everyone, helping their neighbors, helping their family, helping everybody. And it's like, nobody knows. And I always think, okay, they, those are the real heroes. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a hero, though. That, no, that it's definitely no, no. not part of my makeup. Exactly. But I mean, so, yeah. Anyway, we were talking before the break a little bit about the little, like you were talking about the farmer's market and how the farmer's market brings life to the downtown. Yeah. And I Vitality. totally agree. And you know... It, in hap, in the book Happy City, he uh, there's a a chap or paragraph where he talks about what happens when you close a street and you allow people to walk on the pavement, and you know because is that the last chapter? Is that the I one about it, Mark Lightman? Uh, it might be there. No, no, I think it was actually in another one. Okay, talking about the freedom of being able to walk freely on city streets. Oh, yeah, yeah. That and, come, came through Cyclovia when they yes. closed down the streets and it was taken over by yes. bicycles. And, and um, I'll tell you, like, I'm, I don't come to the farmer's market often, but I, uh, the, the feeling of stepping, getting out of my car and find, and, and then suddenly being on, I think it's, do they, is it third and that they close? Yep, third, third. Yes. And just being able to walk on the street, it's like, wow. It was truly something magical. So I encourage our listeners, if nobody's ever done that, do that. I think downtown Prince George has had a couple of other initiatives where maybe it's Summerfest where they close 4th Avenue as well and George Street. It's awesome. And you were able to say the name correctly, I think, the, the, the Danish name. Cyclovia? Cyclovia. So I actually have a friend from Denmark and I asked her about it. I wanted to confirm the story because sometimes you wonder, okay, how much of this is actually 
Mm-hmm. Or, you know, is that, and she said, that's exactly what happened. So for our listeners, is that they, these cities in, there were a few. In, well, there's many now. Yeah. I, I think mean, it's, it's gone I mean, to like 50 cities. In yeah. The world. I mean, the, the downtown was just decaying and they just decided to rebuild a cent- the center and make it l- alive and have shops encircling it and places for people to stop and to lean like poles to lean up against and 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 it's alive and vibrant and she said that is exactly what they do in Denmark and it has like I mean historically their cities were designed that way but then there was a brief period of time where the cities as they were growing they sort of changed it up and but now they've gone back to the way that they were designed originally but anyway we did want to talk about those little things that we're seeing in Prince George that show that people want this that show that people do want connection they do want and do enjoy because I mean I'm I'm thinking of the success of the farmer's market like that's one of those things right we do enjoy that interaction people need to walk like birds need to fly and if you can walk to um, entertainment, to beautiful scenery, um, the walks, the, the paths that we have all around the city mm-hmm. that go by the river through Clélie Park, um, through the Miller Edition, uh, down around Cottonwood Island. Um, it goes back up to um, the the YMCA. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those p- paths are so busy. Yeah. And and Clayley Tenay Park too. It's beautiful. It's on the river. It's yeah. packed all the time. Yeah, and now they have a restaurant there, so that yeah, allows- <laughs> yeah, that's a smart thing. It's very smart. Yeah. Mm. So, but we were talking a little bit about off the off the air. We were talking about the little those little libraries that yes. people are building in neighborhoods. Yeah, I and mean, some have been burnt down and they've been replaced, which just I'm so happy about that. And that's one of those things like when I when those have have come up and I've seen some conversations on social media about them and people say, well, that's not to code or, oh, no, you're taking business away from the public library. And it's like, um, no, you're building neighborhood. And it's uh, just rather bizarre to me that that whole segregate instead of integrate. Right. Like here, like what? We're not allowed to share books with our neighbors. And, you know, you just might meet a neighbor that you might like. Or that you might not like, and you go, oh, that's that's grouchy Paul, or whatever, you know. But, I mean, you at least get to know your neighbors a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what are some other things that you've seen in Prince George that have actually worked? Um, and that that show that people are wanting to build more of this? Well, Gorilla Gardens comes up in the book as one of the things that we can do to, you know, express... Gorilla Gardens. Gorilla Gardens. It's We're just, not gardening gorillas. <laughs> no, it's just going out and and growing food or 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 beautiful plants. It can be anything. Um, but we gorilla gardened the um, Milburn Garden, and that was because um, it it was fallow for a couple of years, and then one of my friends, well, she became my good friend. She got a grant and she paid. Uh, homeless people and drug addicted people to work in the garden it was just like they got little stipends but that brought people into a garden and created community for them and they're working in the soil so this is this is a rehabilitating thing it's like a really smart way to rehabilitate people and it to me it's a foundational thing i think everybody not just homeless people or drug addicted people can can 
um, revitalize themselves, recover themselves through working in the dirt, working with plants. It's life. You're seeing life at a different level because we get so in our heads. We're not in our hearts. You know what? The heart chakra is green. Doesn't that make you think of something? You know, nature is green mm -hmm. and the heart chakra is green. You know, we're just so in our heads and, and the heart is where love comes from. And I feel that working with plants is where the love comes from. And you can eat the stuff too, right? It's not, it's <laughs> yes. not just that you're getting um, endorphins and, and, and feel-good hormones by working in the soil and working with plants. It's food. Yeah, it's survival. Well, and uh, I was just looking at my freezer the other day, and it's like, oh my goodness, because you know you keep worrying a little. I mean, you know, I'm no um, what what do we what do they call people who uh, store up a whole bunch of stuff? Uh, hoarders? Hoard? Not not hoarders. No, there's another name. Do the doomsday survival? Oh, okay. Uh, the preppers. Preppers. Yes. You're a prepper. I, I'm not. No, oh. no. But, but you look but. like a prepper sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I'm, I'm, you know, every once in a while, like you see these shortages and you, like, we're not uh, familiar with shortages, right? I mean, but I mean, you walk into the grocery store, like over the last three years, and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, there's empty shelves and you yeah. sort of worry about it a little bit. Anyway. Oh, and for good reason. Yes. Right? Because, because, and this is one of the things that I observed in my time as a restaurateur, I watched with worry and concern that our food was increasingly becoming processed there were fewer and fewer restaurants that were making food from scratch you know it was coming mm -hmm. in bags and boxes and and you it was harder and harder to access local food okay we will come back and talk a little bit about local food after this <laughs> research into dementia is ongoing in universities all across canada Dr. Mariko Sanamoto of the UBC is studying the community-related needs of people living with dementia who live alone and how dementia-friendly communities can support their inclusion and well-being. For more information to take part in the study, email mariko.sakamoto at ubc.ca or contact the Alzheimer's Society of BC's Northern Interior Resource Centre at 250-564-7533. The Prince George Council of Seniors is coordinating the United Way's Better at Home program. If you are 55 plus and could use help with grocery shopping or some light housekeeping, contact the Prince George Council of Seniors Better at Home coordinator at 250-564-5888 to see if you qualify for these services. It's all designed to help seniors remain independent. Better at Home from the United Way and your Prince George Council of Seniors. Call 250-564-5888. Two Rivers Gallery is thrilled to introduce Transition, a one-of-a-kind art installation by Jose Luis Torres. Torres has come all the way from Quebec City to create work specially for the gallery that explores his perspective on the experience of relocation. Stop by and you'll find yourself surrounded by familiar domestic items, calling into question things many of us take for granted. Transition from Quebec artist Jose Luis Torres, on through April 9th at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in Canada. Of Games Plaza. Forecast from Environment Canada. Periods of light snow ending near noon, then a mix of sun and cloud with a 40% chance of flurries. South winds from 30 gusting to 50, a high of 1 with a morning wind chill to minus 8. Partly cloudy tonight, wind from the southwest at 20 becoming light this evening, a low of minus 9. For Friday, a mix of sun and cloud becoming cloudy with a 40% chance of snow late in the afternoon. Wind becoming southwest 20 in the morning, a high of 0 with a morning wind chill to minus 8. 
keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, we're back on the air. I'm talking with April Audison, and basically we're just having a chat because she she and I share many of the same interests. Um, and we're talking about food and, you know, the fact that, I mean, I was saying my freezer is full of fruit that I harvested last year, and it's like... Okay, this is almost, I'm almost a prepper, <laughs> even though I don't want to be. Um, but, um, oh, I think it's a, it's a smart thing to have like six months of food on hand. I, I truly do. Because, um, like I said, I, I witnessed the um, destruction of our local food infrastructure, mm-hmm. deterioration, intentional um, disruption of our food became increasingly global like in the 1960s when the globalists globalists meaning big corporations that felt they could make more income revenue if they created all the ships for Canada or the United States so increasingly that's where our food has been coming from is the globalists not coming from local so it's it's the same throughout North America even in very food central places like Vancouver Island or um, in the United States what's a place I can think of but you know hot spots for food production it's still only we're only producing about two percent of our food I bet you in the piece it's better than that up north yeah yeah, um, yeah it depends I mean life like people well I, I do know that the peace region you know that was a, a really sad day when they decided to put the that dam there because it it was uh, producing enough food to provide for half of the province of British Columbia. Mm, I think your numbers might be a bit off. No, 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 no. I came across this over and over and over again. Okay, well, it's just very arable land, and it and it has a long growing season. Yes, along the, the I mean the up, for, even further up north, uh, close or, close to high level, just gorgeous growing season there i mean they grow cucumbers and tomatoes out outside yeah well basically our 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 food processing infrastructure was decimated um this started happening in the 60s so if you think about anything that is on the shelves in costco or superstore just imagine where it was processed like how many processing facilities dairies bakeries abattoirs would it require to produce all that food? And of Massive course, amounts. it's, you know, the the processing facilities are spread out all over the world, all over the planet. Well, and then maybe, maybe that is one um, hopeful thing, maybe with all the supply chain issues that we've been having, is that people are realizing or... Be like going wait a minute it's probably a better idea to get my food from closer to home but speaking of that yes um just to get us back like it, here we live here in prince george it's not a fabulous growing place uh because our the things that we can grow uh are limited but what are some of the things that you would like if somebody's listening and they're going yeah you know i've i've been wanting to grow more things what are some of the things that people can grow here easily well all the um cold climates Things like brassicas, cabbages, cauliflower, broccoli, kale, those grow fantastically. And you don't have to grow everything, but believe me, during the Second World War and the, you know, the Depression before that, 
um, people were growing their own food. Mm-hmm. And you know, they had a chick, they had a few chickens in their backyard, which I think it's just a crime that the city is n- not allowing a few chickens in your backyard. It 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 augments your soil like incredibly, and it gives you just a little bit of food security. But you don't have to grow everything. No, you just even grow. You can grow lettuces, all kinds of lettuces. They grow like crazy. Yeah, you know, you throw the yes, seeds in the ground, and, when, and, and, and now that lettuce is six dollars a head. Yeah, uh, it grow, doesn't even grow make a sense. little bit of lettuce. I th- oh. I found that um, uh, in the spring I would buy one or two. Well, usually, well, one one did best. I mean, one little pack of the lettuce seedlings. Mm-hmm. I think that had six. Yeah, and my goodness, after a few weeks, um, you get enough. To, to make your salads I start them in my greenhouse I like I just literally throw the seeds on the ground and you can do it whenever you want to I can do it now if I want to and they'll just come up by themselves you know when when the temperature is right I do that with my brassicas too I plant them in milk jugs okay in February yeah like now yeah I plant them in milk jugs and I just leave them outside in the snowbank, and they sprout when they're ready. And so I have all my little seedlings, my cauliflower, my broccoli, my Brussels sprouts, my kale. And kale often will survive. Like, it, it'll, it'll just keep growing? Like it'll just, yeah. Next year? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I've got, I've got lots of kale that just, re, it reseeds itself. Okay. All right. Um, so... And, and you've talked already a little bit about the what soil working with soil does for us, and 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 in the context of design and city planning and all of that, um, what are some of the changes that you'd like to see? I mean, you know, the city we're redoing the the OCP. Um, what are some of the things in regards to gardening and growing your own food? Would you like to see? Have you thought about that? Well, of course, you I probably have. I, I <laughs> have thought about that because I actually wrote to the city, and and my local food PG society wrote to the city um, with the the former the the OCP that was adopted in 2012. There were all kinds of excellent recommendations, including having more community gardens, having toilets downtown. Um, having um, supporting our farmers markets, um, this was this was uh, like eight hundred people were consulted for that official community plan, and what did our city do? It bulldozed the oldest community garden in Prince George instead of supporting it and nurturing it, because we 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 gardened that one for that was a, the gorilla gardening. I well, I lost track of that we were talking about. We just we just grew it like local food PG society grew food for that community. Hmm. So it was available for anybody that was living in that area. So I would like to see more of that. I would like to see more support for community gardens, more bike trails, um, more support for the uh, farmers market. Like, it would re- be really nice to see a permanent location that was, you know, uh, big enough. I would like to see um, a new attitude towards our homeless community because they are part of okay, our community. Okay, yes, because we were... So, yeah, we've got one minute integrate. left here. Okay. Integrate instead of segregate. segregate. And so what you mean there... I mean, because each of these people... And, and, and we don't have to talk about... Um, every single one, because we all know that there's a certain core group of people that will just never manage to 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 integrate, right? Mm-hmm. But for them, you would say the vast majority, there it, it would be really good if we could get better at integrating them. What do you mean? 
Um, well, integration means that they're they're not seen as other or separate. That they're still they're seen as part of our community. That we're not ever going to get rid of people who live here, and you know, to give them dignity as well. You know, to feel that they're part. One of the things that um, makes people want to die is not having connection. Is not having connection or being. Uh, segregated, mm-hmm. ostracized, and uh, these people are marginalized and segregated and ostracized, and and sometimes it's understandable because they're living in such squalor. You know, if 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 you're living in that kind of a lifetime, I mean, drugs are an obvious choice to to numb the pain. Mm-hmm. You know, to escape the reality that they're forced to live. In a lot of ways, they're forced to live that way, even though they're bringing twenty million dollars to our city. At least, I'm I'm saying that's a conservative effort uh, estimate. estimate. Okay, well, it's time for a break. We'll be back after this. Okay. Vendor registration is now open for the Medieval Market, set for Saturday, May 27th from 11 to 4. Save the date for this fun-filled Medieval-themed market on the Shire grounds of Studio 2880. Vendor registration and more details are available under programs at Studio2880.com. Come hither and enjoy the goods and foods inspired by long-past medieval times. Studio 2880's Medieval Market, Saturday, May 27th from 11 to 4. Vendor registration is now available studio2880.com. The North Central Seniors Association has regular weekly activities in the basement of the College Heights Baptist Church, featuring yoga, photo club, and cards on Monday, plus Tai Chi and pool on Wednesdays. They also host a monthly breakfast club, a weekly coffee social, and special events each Friday. You'll also want to be on hand for their birthday tea with music once each month. Full details are available on their website, ncsapg.bravehost.com. Artisan vendor opportunities are now available for this summer's night markets at Studio 2880. Set for the evenings of Thursday, July 6th and Thursday, August 17th, vendor registration is now open. Spots are limited, so sign up soon to reserve your space. Registration and more details are available under programs at Studio2880.com. Studio 2880's summer night markets, Thursday, July 6th and Thursday, August 17th at Studio 2880. Artisan vendor registration is available through Studio 2880.com. The BC Chamber of Commerce has launched a new two-phase initiative to address BC's acute workforce challenges and help build labor force capacity and resiliency. The first phase is underway with a survey on addressing the labor market gap, now available online. Phase one will culminate in the publication of the survey results in May. The Addressing the Labor Market Gap survey is available until 5 p.m. Friday, February 24th and open to all through their homepage at bcchamber.org. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, we're back talking with Rachel, or with Rachel. April. (laughs) April, April Otteson. Oh, my goodness. Um, Talking about, uh, where did we leave off? Was that... um, uh, How do we incorporate? How do we integrate? integrate? Um, the ostracized from our community. Okay, I th- and, and, and yeah. I was just thinking, okay, so why did we get here and we're talking about city design and what makes a happy city? Yeah. So the, the, and it's like, well, the general idea is is that because of the way we've designed our cities, we're meeting our people less, we're sort of segregating ourselves into our homes, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a perfect correlation, but it, but it is a little bit, because I, I would say that... Um, 
let's let's just even say let's say half half of the people that are living homeless could have avoided being there if their families their communities had known how to integrate rather than segregate and because we don't like dealing with problems you're right and in a happy city i think in a happy city and charles montgomery says this we don't find happy cities that's what that's how we ended up with this sprawl is people wanted to gate themselves in to isolate to avoid the problems to avoid the problems but real life is a bit messy sometimes it is and and that we're not going to get to the heart of happiness if we aren't willing to accept some of the messiness of life we can't avoid it and and it's fear-based it's totally fear-based that makes people become insular <laughs> and and they're not going to they're not going to be happy because they're more afraid you know we we need to connect with our community to cooperate with our community and not to make knee-jerk choices for other people's lives decisions for other people's lives you know one of the main um, principles in permaculture the 10 principles is observe 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 you know before you make some solution to the situation observe it lengthy observation yeah the and the worst mistakes i've made in my life have come because i have not done that yeah, it's, it's, this is one of the things that use protracted and thoughtful observation of the natural system rather than protracted and thoughtless labor. And interact, like observe and interact. So, so the homeless situation is an issue and it's a, a, a blight on our community for so many people. I've witnessed the downtown businesses crying for help. Oh, that was one of the things in the... Uh, 2012 OCP is we want bathrooms, mm-hmm. you know, and those these taxpayers downtown are paying so much more than the big box stores, and but we're not allowed to have bathrooms. If there were bathrooms, people wouldn't be pooping on their doorstep. Mm-hmm. So interact, observe, and interact. I decided that that was the way I wanted to go was to interact and to <clears throat> to hear their stories. And, and, I, and I've witnessed from making the, the Moccasin Flats garden that people like working in the garden with me. Well, and I'll tell you, that was something that I did, uh, that I did last fall. I went for a walk through Moccasin Flats and I'd heard about you your garden. You came at our Thanksgiving. I did, but I had been there before because I had heard about the garden. And I thought, well, I'm going to go look. And I'll tell you, I was expecting to see the garden trashed. And... Like and I and I and I knew enough already that I should prepare to be have my expectation be challenged. Mm-hmm. And so we got there, and the garden was not trashed. It looked very nice. And that was like, wow, April's on to something. <laughs> it's good, and and even at the um, the places where I drop off food, you know, people. A lot of the people, I didn't meet the entire community of 200 homeless people, but a lot of the people that I feed are people that worked in the garden with me. And mm-hmm. they're excited. And you should see what's happening at, at the gardens now. You know, Undo got a trailer. It's open 24-7, you know, for people to come for food, warmth, clothing. And people that I work with in the garden are there. And they're, like, it's like they've, once... folks know that someone cares about them it's love you know Mm -hmm. like if you love the plants in your garden you show what is love 
demonstrable love is giving food and water mm-hmm. and the right location, right? That's all I'm doing is offering those things that I would in my garden. And they're responding. Okay. They're taking more care of the sidewalks, of, you know. So do you, so I was going to ask you that. Like, do you think that's having an impact? On, yes, I do. Because, I mean, for the small business owners that are in the downtown area and east of Queenside, uh, Queensway, we know that it's been incredibly challenging. But do you think that the work that has been going on, do you think it's making a difference? Who You know, you'd have to talk to the people who are actually have businesses down here i know it's challenging um i guess i just have <laughs> i mean because you're coming at the problem from a different direction yeah right? i totally am yeah i yeah. totally am i i i understand why people have been discriminated against and ostracized and um that's not my way Mm-hmm. Um, my way is nature's way, and it, nature doesn't do that. So I'm I'm guessing that you would say to to the people who are saying, "Well, wait a minute, there's still theft happening, there's still vandalism, yeah, there and all of that." You would say it didn't happen overnight. It's not no. going to no, it's not it going to be solved overnight. But recovery is possible, and I think recovery is the way we have to look. One of the um, names that we came up with for Moccasin Flats Garden is the Moccasin Flats Farm and Recovery Project, and I was thinking that. So many of my neighbors in the Miller edition have extra stuff, you know. In fact, one of my neighbors said that probably any theft that's happened to her as a result of, you know, homeless people is that she could afford to lose it anyways. So instead of losing it, why don't people who have extra stuff donate it to the recovery project so it would provide, you know purpose for the people who are living homeless without stuff people only steal because they don't have stuff they need stuff too you know and those folks have very little and they don't have proper shelter where they can keep their stuff you know and even like little um huts you know with a door that you could lock yeah would would make a huge difference but I love the idea of the recovery project because we all could use some recovery, right? We could. All right. Well, thank you, April. Obviously, we could uh, we could just talk for a long time yet, but um, we're out of time for today. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Trudy. It's all a pleasure. Right. All right. And tune in tomorrow for our... After 9 is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Trudy Clausen and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is Community Radio 93.1 CFISFM, proudly supported by Prince George businesses like Copar Administration.